What's up, everybody? My name is Athena, and you're here to listen to Vanished in the Valley. So, originally, I was not going to talk about the mass shooter in Uvalde, Texas, but there has been some interesting information put out, and of course, only the crazy conspiracy theorists are even talking about it. So, we'll touch on that. And then I'm going to talk about all the mass shooters that were on antidepressants at the time of the shooting or in the weeks leading up to the mass shooting. The number is crazy, you guys. And I found 37. There's probably more because I was just able to research it for a couple of hours. But I guarantee there are more because we don't have the medical histories of every single mass shooter. So I'm thinking the number's way higher than 37. But I will go over some of the cases, and I'm sure names you guys will recognize are going to pop up on this list. But before we get to that, let's talk about some of the facts regarding the case that us crazy conspiracy theorists have pointed out. Uvalde police were instructed not to enter their school upon arrival. Despite holding active shooter training only two months prior, that explicitly states this was against protocol. Who was advising police chief to instruct officers to stand down? And now the police department there and the school district are no longer cooperating with investigators. Parents were detained when attempting to go in to save their children when police weren't responding. I posted a video to my Instagram and you can literally see the cops dogpiling some of these parents. Armed assigned resource officer randomly off campus during the event. No answers as to why yet. And guys, check out this big co-winky dink. A teacher happened to prop open a locked door where the shooter entered moments prior to him actually coming in. No answer as to why. The school was part of an online surveillance program designed to monitor social media and identity thefts. Shooter posted red flag social media posts that went unnoticed. The 18-year-old shooter from a low-income family with thousands and thousands of dollars worth of guns, ammunition, and armor driving an expensive truck. And as far as the truck, I've heard some reports that it was stolen, and I've heard some reports that it was his, so I'm not 100% on the truck part. But just the weapons alone, thousands of dollars, you guys. The shooter previously medicated and worked with psychiatrists, how was the therapy sourced provided? What drugs was he on? Columbine happened in Colorado days prior to the NRA Denver Convention. Uvalde happened in Texas days prior to the NRA Houston Convention. Fort Hood military spy plane was present in Uvalde precisely when the school shooting took place. And I'm going to come back to that one in just a minute. Buffalo Shooter and Uvalde Shooter participated in the same online Discord server. The shooter's grandfather confirmed, through video, he did not have a driver's license and did not know how to drive. Why did he exit from the passenger side after the truck crashed? So some people want to know if he was even actually driving. There's just a lot of fuckery going on, you guys. The Uvalde Shooter had the exact same specifications on his ARs as Stephen Paddock, the Vegas shooter. Hmm. Now let's go back to the Fort Hood spy plane that I was just talking about. So check this out. At 11 a.m., this plane 
decides to just happen to be at this uh, school shooting. And the plane stays in a circle pattern over Uvalde until the shooter is killed at about 12.50 p.m. Does nobody think that is strange? A military recon plane just happens to be flying over this spot? Who knows what could that... I, I don't even know. I can't even begin to speculate what fuckery was happening with that. But Fort Hood, so it's literally anything is possible. And I actually found a pretty interesting post the other day by omniscient Jeff Campbell. Remember when Hillary Clinton was testifying about Benghazi? Probably not. You were too busy watching the elementary school massacre in Connecticut. Remember when Hillary got tattled on by Blumenthal for using illegal servers in the White House? Probably not. You were too busy watching the Charleston church shooting. Remember that time Hillary's campaign lawyer went to trial for lying to the FBI about Trump's Russia collusion? Probably not. You were too busy watching the Uvalde school shooting massacre. So every single time these little bitches like A want to distract us, they're going to go kill innocent civilians. Or if they want to do a gun grab thing, they're going to go kill innocent civilians. It's absolutely insane the levels and lengths our government will go to to try to basically subvert the Constitution and trick the people. But, I mean, it's been really easy so far because most people are asleep at the fucking wheel. And I mentioned this a minute ago, but our friends over at 4chan decided to weaponize the autism again, and they found a link between the Buffalo shooter and the Texas one. Now, this is where these two are getting connected, the whole Discord server thing. But where it gets a little bit more interesting is there's supposedly a man named quote-unquote Armand who was grooming them. And it's now suspected this is either a retired or an ex-federal agent. But we don't know really any more details about that, so that's all in conspiracy land right now. So it's all very strange, you guys, and... Like I said, I'm about to tell you different shooters in the United States that were actually on antidepressants. So get ready for this. So I don't have time to do all 37 of these psychopaths, but I'll just kind of give you an idea, a little rundown. We have James Holmes, who at the time of the shooting was 24. He killed 12 people and wounded 70. And that was at that movie theater Batman shooting. He was on Zoloft. We have Eric Harris of the Columbine fame. He was 17 years old during the shooting and 14 people were killed and 23 wounded. He was on Zoloft and Lovox. Patrick Purdy, who was 25 years old at the time. Five were dead and 30 were wounded. He was on amnitriptyline. Then we have Sung Hoi Cho, who was 23 at the time of the shooting. There was 32 people killed and 23 wounded. He was on Prozac and Paxil. Jeff Weiss, who was 16 at the time of the shooting. He killed 10 and 12 were wounded. He was on Prozac. We have Robert Hawkins, who was 19 at the time. Nine dead, four wounded. And they didn't say which specific antidepressant he was on. It was just reported that he was on antidepressants. So, like I said, the fucking list goes on and on. And it's drugs like Welbutrin, Elevil. Prozac. The list just goes on. A lot of them were Prozac. It's fucking crazy how many of them are Prozac. So if you look into it, I'm sure you'll start to see that there's some fucking problem with these psychotropic drugs they're giving people. 
and it's making them extremely dangerous. Now, I found something kind of crazy the other day, and it's a little excerpt from a book called The Secret Government by Bill Cooper. It was written in 1991. It states, social welfare programs were put into place to create a dependent, non-working element in our society. The government then began to remove these programs to force people into a criminal class that did not exist in the 50s and the 60s. The government encouraged the manufacture and importation of military firearms for the criminals to use. This is intended to foster a feeling of insecurity, which would lead the American people to voluntarily disarm themselves by passing laws against firearms, using drugs and hypnosis on mental patients in a process called Orion. The CIA inculcated the desire in these people to open fire on schoolyards and thus inflame the anti-gun lobby. This plan is well underway and so far is working perfectly. The middle class is begging the government to do away with the Second Amendment. Then at the bottom, there's this little part. It says, author's note. I have found these events have indeed happened all over the country. In every instance that I have investigated, the incident at the woman's school in Canada, the shopping center incident in Canada, the Stockton, California massacre, and the murder of Rabbi Mir Kahan, the shooters were all ex-mental patients or were current mental patients who were all on the drug Prozac. This drug, when taken in certain doses, increases the serotonin level in the patient, causing extreme violence. Couple that with post-hypnotic suggestion or control through an electronic brain implant or microwave, and you get mass murder and mass shootings. So Bill Cooper was calling this in 1991, you guys. I uh, <laughs> I think there might be something to it. And of course, if you didn't know, Bill Cooper was killed by a sheriff's deputy in 2001. I mean, basically, when the government is able to disarm us, we are not going to be able to stop them from turning us into Australia Part 2. And anybody with half a brain does not want to become Australia Part 2. They still have all their unvaccinated locked down like criminals. You know, it's just, it's all bad, you guys. So speaking of vaccinated and unvaccinated, I found this on Twitter at Project Tabs. It states, I happen to be in the morbidity business. I am the CEO of a large insurance group and we underwrite morbidity risk. Based on what it is we are seeing, the rates right now, excess mortality, 84% and excess every kind of disease at 1100%. And I know I mentioned this before, but we're going to go over the fuck again because it's so horrifying. Court-ordered Pfizer documents reveal that 82% to 97% of Pfizer COVID-19 vaccinated pregnant women lost their babies. Now, these documents are the ones that everybody got access to because there was a Freedom of Information Act, and then the FDA was sued. So in January 2022, a federal judge ordered the FDA to incrementally release the documents. So if you go to document titled Reissue 5.3.6 Post-Marketing Experience PDF, disclosed on page 12 is that by February 8th, 2021, 270 women had received the mRNA injection during pregnancy. But... 238 cases were apparently not followed. They say, quote unquote, no outcome provided. 
And therefore, the pregnancy outcomes for these women are completely unknown. That's fucking crazy. 88% of the pregnant women injected were not followed throughout their pregnancy. What? Another thing that's deeply concerning is since 124 of the 270 pregnant women had some type of adverse reaction, 49 were non-serious and 75 were serious. You think they'd want to maybe follow up with that information? So, uh, yeah, you guys, it's fucking crazy. I actually posted that up on the Instagram page. You can go check that out. But, I mean, I think people are just, like, forgetting, just don't want to deal with it. So, I, I don't know. It's all bad. Now, check this out, guys. Hackers apparently got into the systems of Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson. The deadliest batches from Pfizer for adults begin with the letters E-N-N-E-R. The deadliest batches for children begin with EW, and that was actually the worst batch, FA and FC. Analysis shows that batches in the U.S. are 10 times deadlier than in the EU. Now, a man named Dr. Ruby says this confirms inoculations are quote-unquote legal dose studies, which are always done only in animals, and even that rarely now due to animal rights. So if you know your batch, you can go to howbad.info to find out what the researchers have discovered. That's howbad.info. So guys, if you've gotten the clot shot, go check out those batches and you'll be able to see what percentage of people have been disabled by that specific batch. So moving on to the Ministry of Truth news. The DHS has paused the disinformation board and director will resign after Republican criticism. So check this out. Wednesday, the board's director is resigning following weeks of criticism from Republicans and questions about whether the board would impinge on free speech. Now, don't get too hobby because I just found this story. Check this out. Connecticut governor and secretary of state offer $150,000 salary to hire a misinformation spotter ahead of November elections. The watchdog is expected to trawl 4chan, Facebook, and other social media sites for fake news. So they're not fucking giving up. What are they going to do? Just each state's going to get their own disinformation board? The official job title will be security analyst, and they're expected to combat misinformation on a full-time basis. The misinformation spotter is tasked with disrupting nefarious election activities and boosting the public's confidence in elections. The initiative is part of a larger campaign by Governor Ned Lamont to educate and inform registered voters. $4 million will be allotted to Democracy Initiative projects, a project focusing on upgrading dated voter registration system. So it just sounds to me like they're just fucking trying to get this as like a state thing versus a federal thing. But I'll keep my eye on it. I'll see if any more state misinformation board info pops up because I'm sure Connecticut is just the first of many. So now we are going to have a total subject change. I just can't talk about any more government fuckery today or I may lose my mind. But I am going to tell you guys about some KGB spy shit that went down in the 1960s in Egypt. So sit back and get ready for this. Now I'm getting the information for this story from a article published on howandwise.com. They actually have some really cool shit, like far out there shit that you just normally wouldn't see. So go check them out and see what's up. 
So back in the early 1960s, the KGB conducted an expedition to Egypt where they allegedly discovered the remains of what they called an ancient alien inside the Egyptian tomb. Soviet intelligence set the expedition under Project Isis to unveil the legend of the quote-unquote Tomb of the Visitor God. In 1998, the U.S. network Sci-Fi told about the mystery in a documentary titled The Secret KGB Abduction Files. So apparently this whole program was brought to light by a Russian neurologist and astrophysicist named Viktor Ivanovic, who was recruited by the Soviet intelligence agencies as a scientific advisor for the development of advanced propulsion systems. Now, in this interview on the Sci-Fi Channel, he said that he had got access to the KGB secret files about the Project ISIS, which targeted to discover knowledge and traces of alien technology in Egypt. The mission included the team of Egyptologists and the Soviet Academy of Sciences. Hermitage Museum Egyptologist Herman Alexine. Military experts specialized in chemical and radioactivity. There were some astronomers and Sam Sharaf, secretary of the Gamal Abdel Nasser, the second president of Republic of Egypt. So when the expedition was organized, there were around 20,000 units of the Soviet military in Egypt. And the search was initiated after the surprising discovery of a mysterious tomb by two Arab tribes in one of the Giza pyramids. The tribes were sick soon after entering the chamber and they were immediately hospitalized. An Egyptian intelligence uttered to the media that they had wakened the quote-unquote visitor god. So this discovery alerted the KGB, and since then, Project Isis became top priority. The research team analyzed the tomb discovered by the Arab tribes. According to Ivanovic, the Soviets found the tomb full of artifacts. That would be so fun. The finding included 15 boxes of artifacts, one partially mummified body, one stone sarcophagus, eight samples of hieroglyphs. According to a report prepared by one of the scientists, they felt a strange repulsive force coming out of the walls while inspecting the area. Besides a report of one of the cryptographers who decoded the hieroglyphic inscriptions engraved on the walls, it read a prophecy about the return of a winged deity. Among all, the most intriguing discovery was the mummy found in the sarcophagus. It was two meters tall, so six feet, which at the time is much bigger in size than the average height of the ancient Egyptians. So check this out. This is when we get all scientific and shit. Using carbon dating, 14 different tests were carried out by molecular biologist Boris Timoev that revealed that the mummified body was between 12,000 and 13,000 years old. According to Egyptian legends, a family of gods descended from the stars who brought knowledge and wisdom to them. After finishing their work on Earth, they returned to the stars except for the god Osiris. He was the ancient Egyptian god of the dead and the god of resurrection into eternal life, ruler, protector, and judge of the deceased. His cult originated in Abdios, a city in Egypt where tradition says his tomb is located. Britannica writes, Osiris was slain or drowned by Seth, who tore the corpse into 14 pieces and flung them all over Egypt. 
Eventually, Isis and her sister, Nephthys, found and buried all the pieces, except the phallus, thereby giving new life to Osiris, who thenceforth remained in the underworld as ruler and judge. His son Horus successfully fought against Seth, avenging Osiris and becoming the new king of Egypt. The god Osiris indeed came from the stars in a flying boat. Such a formation would be comparable to a modern UFO sighting that constantly occur around the world. That time, the Kremlin was interested in various alien theories. Based on the ancient stories, a team of researchers who found the mummy was convinced that it belonged to Osiris. So check this fun little fact out. During the Cold War, the Soviets were looking for advanced technology, and somehow stories behind the origin of the pyramids attracted them. Moreover, the Soviet scientists began to wonder about the real function of the pyramids, and if they've been designed for a particular purpose. Some people believe they are powerful machines able to channel some energy of space or some kind of interstellar transmitter. Now, several episodes ago, I told you about a classified Soviet document that literally said the same thing. They said it was absorbing space radiation and it would help prevent the next catastrophe when the poles shifted. So it's kind of interesting. I'm seeing this from multiple sources. Makes you go, hmm. Now check this out. On the sci-fi documentary, it included a video purportedly noting a part of the top secret Project ISIS KGB expedition to Egypt. The U.S. broadcaster claimed the film was obtained from an unidentified Russian mafia source. The experts of the sci-fi guaranteed the authenticity of the content of the black-and-white video and the testimonies of high-ranking KGB officials confirmed that this sarcophagus contained the remains of an alien creature. So that makes you really wonder. The footage shows a number of KGB officials entering an Egyptian burial chamber without any protective gloves and masks. When they opened the sarcophagus, fumes of toxic gas came out that made it hard for them to breathe. As the clouds of gas faded, they saw a mummy laying in the coffin and took some pictures. Later, a few researchers in protective suits analyzed the mummy and probably checked the radiation in the area. Maybe they should have done that first. <laughs> Ivanovic claimed that the footage reveals the most important discovery in human history. He said, and I quote, Operation Isis was used to secure alien documents and technology which were stored at a secret tomb in the Giza Plateau in hopes to use it for military purposes. What they found were the remains of an alien creature who died about 10,000 year BC. Now, while we're on the subject of Russians and fucking aliens, a British UFO researcher named Philip Mantle reported that Russian submarines are waging a secret war with alien ships deep under the ocean. During the Soviet era, it was restricted to talk about UFOs and USOs, but when it got disintegrated, some files came up with shocking information about alien spacecraft. The declassified document said Russian Navy found these unidentified objects technologically superior to Earth vehicles. So, Philip Mantle, in collaboration with author Paul Stonehill, wrote the book called Russia's USO Secrets, Unidentified Submersible Objects in Russian and International Waters. They basically discuss secret encounters of Russian veterans with alien technology and UFOs underwater. Now, you guys, if you haven't seen these fucking crazy videos of USOs, go anywhere. Even YouTube has them nowadays. But it's a lot of them are like cigar shaped and they just straight up 
plunge into the water where any technology that I know of would have completely disintegrated. But these fucking things just go in there. And if it's at nighttime, you can kind of see a light, but then it disappears. So the book in particular talks about a strange incident that took place in Bermuda Triangle in 2009. According to former nuclear submarine commander Yuri Beketov, many mysterious events also took place in the Bermuda Triangle region. The devices failed for no apparent reason, and he believes the UFOs were behind it. Now, this is a quote, obviously a translated quote, but here we go. We have repeatedly observed that devices record the movement of material objects at an unimaginable speed. We measured some speeds. It's about 230 knots, which is about 400 kilometers per hour. Such speed is difficult to create on the surface, only in the air. But there is a gigantic resistance in water, as if the laws of physics do not apply to these objects. There's only one conclusion. The creatures who created such material objects significantly surpass us in development. Well, yeah, I'd kind of have to agree. Another Navy intelligence captain, Igor Barclay, said that the unidentified submerged objects were seen in places where the Russian Navy and NATO fleet are concentrated. He said these are the Bahamas and Bermuda, Puerto Rico, especially often UFOs are seen in the deepest regions of the Atlantic, in the south of the Bermuda Triangle, and in the Caribbean. So it seems like UFOs and USOs are just basically an open secret at this point. I'm just wondering when our government cheese is going to stage the fake alien invasion to get us to cry for a one-world government. Dude, you guys, don't put it past them. These dirty motherfuckers are capable of just about anything at this point. Now, one of these Russian teams describe watching a cigar-shaped UFO shoot three beams of light into the Atlantic Ocean. According to the eyewitness, the object was 200 to 250 meters long. The UFO was slowly descending into the ocean, making a strange hissing sound about a half mile from the submarine. But somehow it was not detected by radar. Marine scientists from Sevastopol noted they had seen a giant wheel spinning under the Black Sea. And this happened while they were diving into the sea. There are records of how a Soviet submarine collided with a gigantic underwater object heading for the coast in 1951. The captain ordered to drop bombs in the path of the USO, but the object did not react to the attack and continued on its merry course before rushing to the surface. At a depth of 50 meters, it stopped and changed course and left. Now check this out, guys. The book I was just telling you about, written by Philip Mantle, it published the results of a study by the Commission on Anomalous Phenomena of the Russian Geographical Society in St. Petersburg, which concluded that UFOs are real. So according to Philip Mantle, the researchers are now taking the USO's phenomena very seriously. And it is going to be a new chapter in the study of UFOs in the future. Because, I mean, think about it. You usually only hear about UFOs, a.k.a. UAPs. The whole USO, that's, it's not new being seen, but it's definitely a newer topic that people are talking about. I mean, I'm not expecting our government to come out next week and be like, yeah, we've seen some crazy alien underwater bases. But I'm sure they have. I'm sure they're probably fucking buddy-buddy with these people. So who knows? It'll be interesting to see what comes of all of this. So guys, before I get out of here today, I'd just like to send out a friendly little reminder to get as many guns as you can, 
start stocking up on ammo and non-perishable foods and some kind of water filtration devices. Shit is looking grim out there. I hear gas is about to go above $10 a gallon. It's over $7 a gallon here in California. And what are people going to do when they can't drive to work or they can't drive to the emergency room? Whatever. Shit's about to get ugly. I'd say, I don't know, in the next year, two years, it's not looking pretty. The fucking government has made the worst gas prices since the 70s. We have record inflation and people are just kind of broke right now. Have you been to the grocery store lately and fucking had seen the sticker shock of all the food? Even like fresh fruit and vegetables, which are usually, you know, considerably pretty cheap, even those have gone way up. So yeah, go see the Mountain House brand of non-perishable foods because those fucking people, somehow they get their food to have a 20-year shelf life and that may come in very handy in the near future. So I just want to thank California, Texas, and Washington, our top three states for downloads. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. If you want to say what's up or you have any stories I should check out, Shoot me a line at vanishinthevalley at gmail.com and I will definitely read it. So as I always tell you, be aware and don't forget your pepper spray. Ciao, ciao.